0: Crowd goes wild. Welcome everybody to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Happy Friday to you. Happy weekend portion of Fantasy Week 9. And happy Adam Azer Day, because it's going to be something of a CBS reunion. Uh, My former host, uh, he's still the host of the uh, CBS Fantasy Baseball Today podcast, uh, but he was the host back when I was on it. That is, of course, none other than Adam Azer. So we're going to have him on later on in the show. And it's going to be a little bit of a continuation of something I started yesterday when I had Jessica Kleinschmidt on here, uh, because it's now the two-month mark. Actually, today is exactly uh, two months uh, going back to opening night. So going into this weekend, uh, you know, we can call it a, a nice, clean, even two months of the season. Great time to take stock, because it's early enough that you can actually do some actionable things, Uh, kind of a nonsense phrase, right? Doing actionable things, taking action. How about that on your roster based on the data we have so far? And it's a large enough sample uh, that we can, uh, you know, really have some faith in in the numbers. But there's still some players that are kind of on the borderline, so I'm going to expand on what I did with Jess yesterday and look at some players that we didn't get to and see if uh, Adam is or isn't buying into the performance, whether it's extremely surprisingly good or extremely disappointing. So we will get to that later on the show. And of course, as always, look at the previous nights and days action, uh, lots of uh, pitching and hitting performances to try to make sense of. And of course, get to start with the news and the big news. Is out of Seattle uh, with the two injuries in last night's game. Nelson Cruz and Gene Segura. No uh, updates, nothing definitive on either player. Although I did see some speculation from Mike Sock of ESPN Radio that Segura is going to be out for for quite a while, but uh, I would not get too carried away with that because I've not seen anything definitive on either Cruz, who was hit by a pitch in the ha- in the hand, or on Segura, who injured his ankle uh, sliding into second base. So those are things to definitely uh, watch closely. Uh, Certainly if anything comes out during the show, uh, that will be a priority update for you because that's obviously a big deal, both uh, Cruz and Segura. But the uh, injury bug kind of spread throughout the AL West. Cameron Maben went on the DL with a left oblique contusion. But uh, we know something about his uh, severity of his injury it could just be a minimum stay for Mabin, which would mean that he would be back possibly about a week from now uh, for next weekend's game. So that would, other than very, very deep leagues, rule Mabin out for Fantasy Week 10. I guess getting into the double digits now. So much more news to get to. And uh, we'll talk about some of those stand up performances from Thursday right after this break. So please stick around. We've got lots more to come. You are listening to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host Al Melchior, and coming up, just one segment from now. Very excited. Adam Azer gonna join the show. It's actually Adam's first time on the show since the debut episode, which I think was back in early February. So, looking forward to having him back and talking about uh, some of the performances from the first two months of the season. And we are going to get on to some more recent performances, some news items. But before we get to any of that, you need to know about the world's premier 24 7 Fancy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take it with you wherever you go. Download the Fancy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway or just relax with the King on the couch or with Jake Sealy when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now on the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. All righty. Let's do our usual check-in uh, around the league in terms of uh, lineups and weather. We now have, and just the blink of an eye here, we got a third lineup. We had the Marlins and the Reds, and just now, The Braves lineup uh, in, we've got Adonis Garcia back in the lineup as uh, expected at third base. And it's against a righty, Bronson Arroyo. So no Rio Ruiz in the lineup for the Braves. Uh, Nothing else really major of note uh, so far. Uh, The Marlins, uh, no. uh, uh, Derek Dietrich, pardon, Mike. Minor brain cramp there. <laughs> no Derek Dietrich at third base. We got Christian Cologne at third against lefty Patrick Corbin. And going out a little bit later on in the schedule, we've got a potential duel of aces: Dallas Keuchel and Yu Darvish. And I say potential duel because that is the one game that could be threatened by weather. That's at uh, Globe Life Park in Arlington. And at game time, there's a 47 percent chance of precipitation. Just two hours before that, it's 100%. But fortunately, the game doesn't start two hours before that. Uh, and this is all courtesy of Roto-Grinders and Kevin Roth. And uh, the good news is that's the only one. That's the only game. And the further good news is that the precipitation chance decreases as the night goes on there in the uh, Metroplex. So uh, I would tend to think they're going to get that one in. But if you're thinking of starting Keichel or Darvish tonight, You may want to wait this one out at least a few hours and see how that weather situation develops. And also a quick check-in on the one-day game we have. Cubs just scored a run, apparently, because I looked during the break. It was 2-0. Now it's 2-1. And that game started off with a Dexter Fowler revenge leadoff home run uh, for the Cardinals against his former team, the Cubs. So 2-1 right now. Cardinals at the Cubs. Back to the news. So nothing new uh, over the break on Cruz or Segura with those injuries. Uh, more Angels news. We had already talked about Cameron Maben. Hopefully back within a, roughly a week with that uh, oblique contusion. But uh, also an update on Houston Street. His rehab assignment's been delayed. He's experiencing some right triceps tightness. So uh, that uh, Angels closer situation uh, not really getting much more clarity. I mean, we've uh, we've seen Bud Norris, but even he uh, has had some issues of late. He had uh, a knee uh, injury that um, he was removed from a, a game earlier this week. And then last night against the Twins, Mike Sosha actually called on Jose Alvarez to close out that game. And Alvarez promptly blew the save and and Norris came in and, and sort of mop up duty last night. So really kind of a mess there with the uh, Angels' closer situation. But uh, Norris clearly still the closer, just not apparently back 100% health-wise. So that's what's going on there in Anaheim. Uh, A little bit up the I-5, Brandon McCarthy. He left Thursday's start early after four innings with a blister. So it's been a frustrating year for McCarthy from a, a health standpoint. No further word on whether he can make his next start from Philadelphia, MacClenteck, uh the Phillies GM says that there are no plans for the Phillies to send down the struggling Michael Franco or Odubel Herrera. And I actually had uh Liz rocher from Yahoo Sports uh on about a week ago to talk about that situation. And that was pretty much what she predicted, that the Phillies were going to just uh, let that play out and keep the kids down on the farm for a while. So uh a lot of interesting prospects uh, down there, AAA and A AA for the Phillies. So uh, if you're looking forward to to some call-ups, it doesn't appear that's going to happen anytime soon. John Gray is making progress coming back from stress fra- fracture in his foot. Uh, the next step for him is either a sim game or live batting practice sometime next week for John Gray. So not an imminent return, but Gray continues to make progress. And Sam Dyson who's you know just had a miserable season so far uh, he has or actually I don't think that's happened yet but he is going to be designated for assignment by the Rangers and uh, there could be a trade involved somewhere there for Dyson so um you know he's he's been out of the closer picture for a while there it's been Matt Bush but um, Sam Dyson maybe he, he gets gets it right and gets an opportunity elsewhere in the major leagues All right, well, it is time to take a look at some of the standout performances from Thursday. And on this show, 24 hours ago, we were in real time checking out the uh, return of Corey Kluber back from his DL stint for some lower back issues. And he's clearly just fine and, and as good as ever against the A's. Went six scoreless innings with 10 strikeouts and just two hits. Uh, so nice performance there for Kluber. That was definitely one of the standout performances. But you had three other starters that also had, uh, I would say, similarly impressive starts. And they're not just good starts in isolation; they're actually uh, just the latest in a string of good starts. So Chase Anderson of the three might as well just roll them out right now. Chase Anderson, Adam Wainwright, and CC Sabathia. Those are the that's the trio. And of the three, Anderson. Put up the best line, went seven innings, did not give up a run, struck out seven Mets, walked just one, allowed three hits. So that's back-to-back starts without allowing a run for Chase Anderson. It's hard to find uh, a common link between these two starts, other than the fact that he didn't allow a run, because in terms of the uh, arsenal he employed, there were some differences uh, between the two starts. It wasn't just like, oh, well, he's, you know, emphasizing the change up, you know, consistently. Uh, sort of the common link going back four or five starts for Anderson is he's relying on his fastball less. And in these two starts, he's racked up a 21% called strike rate, which is really, really good. But it's such a small sample, and there's so many inc- other inconsistencies, inconsistencies that uh, I have to say I'm not exactly sure if this means anything for Chase Anderson. And another little detail was that uh, in the previous start he actually had a a nice little spike in his average fastball velocity and then he just regressed right back to his normal level uh, against the Mets on Thursday. So really really hard to read that one. It's been an up and down season in general for for Chase Anderson. But um you know I'm I'm not looking to you know move him up the rankings or, or you know really read too much into this just yet. I think we need to see at least one more from Chase Anderson. Now Adam Wainwright, he's had several really good starts in a row. In fact, I think he really could say four of them. This one was six scoreless innings. Uh, this is against the Dodgers, so good opponent. Uh, four hits, two walks, six strikeouts. Uh, and he also homered for the second time this season, too. So Wainwright really did it all against the Dodgers. So if we take those four good starts combined together, just one earned run allowed for an 0.34 ERA. Uh, but it's a mixed bag. it It's re- really a mixed bag. And the number here that really concerns me, 59% strikes thrown rate. I mean, 60, 61. Those are not good rates. He's below that. So Wainwright is getting away with a pretty extreme level of wildness. How's he doing it? Really two ways. Uh, first of all, a 222 BABIP, which even if he's doing lots of good things to prevent hard contact, uh, that, that looks pretty lucky. But he has been doing things to uh, prevent hard uh, contact. He's really been doing it all season long. The average exit velocity on fly balls that have been hit off of Adam Wainwright is just 90.2 miles an hour. That's pretty low. And over this particular stretch of four starts, just an 043 isolated power. That's obviously minuscule. So, yeah, I think there's been some real improvement from Wainwright, but I'm not really buying the degree to which uh, he's succeeding. And and it's not going out on a limb for somebody who's got an 0-34 ERA over a four-start stretch, but I'm not even buying it in terms of saying, well, maybe he's going to be like a low threes ERA guy. That, that strikes thrown rate really, really concerns me. So that's two down out of the three. We still got to talk about CC Sabathia, but I really want to break that one down. We're going to have to head into break. So we'll catch that later. But uh, talking Yankees, that's a good segue to talk about Adam Azer, my favorite Yankee fan. And uh, Adam's going to join us after the coming break. We are, we're actually going to be talking about at least one Yankee. Uh, we we'll to be talking about quite a few players that are hard to figure out even after the first two months of the season. So stay with us. We'll be back with Adam Azer. See you in just a few minutes. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and it's time for the special guest today. Very special guest. My good friend, former colleague, and uh, return victim, I guess, Uh, (laughs) return offender, uh, to the show, Adam Azer. Adam, welcome so much. Good to have you back.
1: Yes, special guest indeed, sir.
0: That's right. You know it. You know it. Well, and, and I haven't talked to you in a long time because you're the, the hardest working guy in new media. So <laughs> I don't know how, uh, how you know, how uh, your teams are doing. I don't even really know how you're doing. Uh, I hope you're doing well.
1: You don't care about me. You care about my teams, Al. Come on. All
0: right. Well, yeah, let's let's get to those then. <laughs> uh, how, how are well, how many teams? Because you are, you know, you, you how many podcasts are you doing? Actually, I want to know that first. How many podcasts? I'm just doing fantasy football
1: today and fantasy baseball today, so
0: two podcasts. Light light load for you. Okay. So how many baseball fantasy baseball teams do you have this year?
1: I only have five this year. I decided I wanted to cut back a little bit, so I'm at five. How about you, Al?
0: Yeah, I wanted to cut back, too. Uh, I'm at 12. <laughs> I, I, could, I couldn't say no, so uh, I was hoping yeah. to get down to like nine or ten, but uh, yeah. So uh, doing, doing the usual juggling act. Well, so, but you have enough teams that, uh, you know, I don't know if you maybe tried different things, different teams or, you know, whatever, but there's enough variety there that it's, you know, it's a good situation for taking stock. And and that's, you know, what I'm doing now, with the, you know, we're at the two month mark. So uh, taking stock of, of certain players, but also in terms of our strategies, uh, our draft performance, uh, how are you taking stock of yourself at this point? Are you happy with what you've done? Are there lessons learned? Uh, at this point in the season, well,
1: yeah, well, first of all, Al um, I was planning on doing this segment on uh, on the fantasy baseball today podcast next week, so please don't think that I stole your idea. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be having some repeat content. Uh, I, well, the good thing is so I've got let's see, I've got a twelve team head head points league, a fourteen team head head points league. I've got a twelve team categories league, and a sixteen team categories league that I'm sharing with Scott White. And a standard 12-team Roto League, worst format ever, but Auction League, which is the best format ever. So at least we have something going there. Um, so all different types of things. And I only have one bad team. The other four are good or, or like average to good. And I think I'm pretty pleased because I I put a little bit more emphasis on pitching this year than most people did. And in retrospect, I wish I had put even more emphasis on pitching because um, it stinks. I wish I had more high-end guys, but I was a little more uh, willing to spend on pitching this year than I ever had been in the past, and that has sort of helped me out. In fact, my best team is a 14-team points league. We play two opponents each week, and currently we are 16-0, and which is awesome. Or, yeah, 16-0, and whatever the heck we are. And, uh, yeah, uh, we... Um, yeah, so we have the best we have the best pitching. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that's kind of what I've noticed. The teams that have the best pitching that I have are, are, the, are my best teams.
0: So have you done anything in particular to try to, you know, make up for uh hitting, you know, putting less emphasis on that or did, you know, were you just really smart at drafting hitters this year or were you able to, you know, make some moves in season to to shore that up or is it just that the pitching is so much better than the other teams that you're able to withstand uh a little less production from the hitters? I don't even know that I have less production from the hitters. I, I think, like, everybody should
1: have pretty good hitting. You know, maybe a team here and there doesn't have good hitting, but if you're in a 12-team league especially, I don't think you're really scrambling for hitters. I mean, we're kind of talking about this on our show today. It's like, do, you, do I drop? I, I like I dropped Corey Dickerson at one point, you know? I've been picking up and dropping Brett Gardner, and these guys have been top 15, the top 10 in some cases, outfielders. that We don't think it's going to be that good forever, but uh, it's just like, I, I feel like hitting, it, when I first started playing fantasy baseball, I guess like seven years ago, and up until maybe like three years ago, pitching was what I streamed, you know? You drafted right. hitting, and then you just kind of figured out pitching along the way. But this year, it is the exact opposite. So that, I think, I think it's served me well to prioritize it. Because, you know, people didn't know if last year was legit, if all those home runs, if that was going to repeat itself. And I guess I sort of took it as like, I think it's going to repeat itself. Uh, so I just, I haven't really had any trouble with hitting every time I look on the waiver wires
0: for pitching. That's interesting. Very interesting. Well, uh, you know, I've been, uh, you know, streaming every year. It seems like stream pitching more and more. So I've, I've really gone the opposite way for the most part, but that's a, it's a good transition to talk about all the power to talk about some of the players that we're now going to do a reality check on. And maybe I just will go ahead. Since you're going to steal some of the content from this show, just go ahead and call <laughs> this the legitimator.
1: <laughs> uh
0: it's still your yeah, it bit is. from cbs uh so mark reynolds uh where's where's he on the meter for you let's say he's like a five
1: i guess um yeah i don't know man i i feel like there's going to be some playing time loss when david Dahl gets back just some way oh, there already is right i mean they're, they're trying to squeeze three people into two positions so i i feel like There'll be some playing time loss. I feel like I know he homered yesterday, but he slumped a little bit. The power has kind of gone away a bit in the month of May, if I recall correctly. It's just the course field thing, and he hit for a good average last year, so he's probably better than I thought he was. But um, so I'm, I'll give him a five on the legitimate meter, Mark Reynolds.
0: All right. Yeah, I think I get probably out and about more questions than anybody else, but he's definitely right up there in terms of getting that exact question. You know, am I buying into him? And I just think that. Uh yeah, he slumped a little bit, but you know, not yeah. not enough for me to worry. Yeah, I'd say the playing time definitely could be a concern there, but I at this point if you're going to force me to, you know, pick between him and David Dahl in terms of, you know, who's going to be a playing time beneficiary when Dahl's ready, I I would think it'd be Reynolds, but I you know, I don't really know to be honest. But um Chris <laughs> Owings, another player that uh is is not is doing things we didn't expect him to offensively. Uh where where is he on the scale? Not really feeling it, Al, with Chris Owens. I'm going to give him a three. <laughs>
1: <Wow>. <laughs> I'd love to know what you think about him. I just don't really buy the batting average. You know, he doesn't really have good places when he doesn't walk. I buy the field. You know, I think he's going to be a good field source. But as of, you know, I'm, honestly, I'm looking at my show notes from, I Two or three days ago, and it's a legitimeter section, and Chris Owings is there. <laughs> so um, I don't remember what we gave him. I don't think I opined on that one, but I just I don't really think he's a 300 hitter. He's a career 262 hitter who was batting 315 a few days ago. So I'm I'm gonna get put Chris Owings as a three on the legitimeter.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll go I think five on him because uh, I do think that given the speed that he has, that he has uh, some potential to BABIP his way to a higher average. Um, I'm not, I'm skeptical of the power, but I just think that between the steals and the potential for uh, a batting average, that's going to help you that he, you know, he's somebody I think that does belong in a five outfielder league um, or, you know, or, or play him in the infield as well, you know, wherever uh, you want to slot him in. So I think, um, I I think he's, you know, yeah, he's halfway legit. I'm, I'm skeptical of the power. Uh, how hey, about Brett Gardner? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're a host, do you, so who go, do you go you buy ahead. Buy into more. Well,
1: I want to know. I'm curious. Who do you buy into more, Zach Cozart or Chris Owings?
0: Oh, Chris Owings, and it's not even close. Really? I, yeah. How about you?
1: Um. Well, I, I don't know because I never know with this stuff. But I, I think Cozart definitely has more power. I mean, I buy that. But yeah. I see the walk to strikeout ratio is like almost one to one for Cozart. I don't know, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but but it's much better than Owing's.
0: Oh, absolutely. I just the you know talk about somebody who has never hit for average. I mean, Cozart is you know a two fifty hitter. That's just who he is. And I don't see anything in his profile that suggests to me that he's really any different than he used to be. So um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go yeah. So let's okay. uh we we gotta got a boogie with some of these. Uh we're we're coming up on break here. But Brett Gardner, I definitely want to know your take on him. I uh, introduced you earlier as my favorite Yankee fan, so <laughs> uh
1: I think he's a really good sell high candidate. That said, if he's gonna lead off for one of the better lineups in baseball, he'll probably he'll probably have a better year than we thought. Uh I see him more as a top thirty outfielder, so I'm gonna give Gardner like a six on the legitimator.
0: All right, all right. And I've got three pitchers uh, I wanted to break down a little more in detail, but since we're running a little shorter on time, we'll just toss them out uh, in bulk here. Irvin Santana, Mike Leak, Dan Straley. Now, Santana's cooled off a little bit. Straley's been, been surging of late, so I think it's a fair question now. Of the three, uh, who's who's the most legit going forward? Irvin Santana would be my pick. All right. Bye, you. Uh, I will agree with that. I'm, I've bought into what he's he's done this year. So yeah, and I think he's he's definitely a better and different pitcher than he's been in the past. I'm I'm a little skeptical yeah. on Leek, although I think he's improved somewhat. And Straley, yeah, I like him a lot. I just uh, I think he's going to have a little bit more inconsistency than Santana. So I I will agree I with that. I think that,
1: that w- with Leek
0: I kind of just look
1: at what he did on the road when he was with the Reds. He was always pretty good on the road. He had a terrible year last year, so I, don't, I guess like mid threes ERA for Leek Santana. It's almost a full season now. You go back to second half of last year; he had like yep. a two seventy ERA, so he's doing something right. So Australia, I think everybody's higher on Australia than I am. Maybe I need to come around, but I feel like his best starts have been against the Padres and the Phillies.
0: So That's fair, um,
1: and then he kind of struggled <laughs> after that.
0: But, that is you know. absolutely fair. Uh, all right, well let's let's go uh, a little. Negative here. couple of players uh, that have disappointed Rugnet Odor and Kyle Schwarber. Who's the better by low?
1: I will say Rugnet Odor, unless Schwerber is catcher eligible than him, but I'd rather have a second baseman than an outfielder. And I just, I would have I liked Odor better than Schwarber going in, so I'll just stick with that.
0: Yeah, well, I can definitely co sign on all of that. So, well, this went by way, way too fast, Adam, but uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Great to have you on, and good luck, as always. Uh, and say say hi to the guys for me. All right. Thanks, Al. Great to be here. All right. All right. So uh, thanks to Adam Acer there. Stick around. We will be right back with some of the standout performances from Thursday. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melfior. And once again, uh, very grateful to uh, Adam Azer for taking the time to uh, do a segment with us. So, of course, check him out on the CBS uh, Fantasy Baseball Today and Fantasy Football Today podcasts. Uh, before we get back to this podcast, well, this is still this podcast, but before we get back to the uh, the meat and potatoes Just a quick note about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It is your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every single week. And this season, you'll get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code Free Radio at the checkout for a special discount. So before we had Mr. Azeron, on, uh, we had been talking about some pitching performances that um, were sort of building on prior hot streaks. So we talked about Chase Anderson. We talked about Adam Wainwright. We did not get to CC Sabathia, but he had another very, very nice performance. This one at Toronto. He went six and a third, just allowed one run and no walks, five hits, but seven strikeouts for Sabathia. So uh, that's really fallen right in line with what he's been doing now over a four game stretch, uh, where he's posted a 1.48 ERA with 26 strikeouts and six walks over 24 and a third. Uh, But, you know, like with Wayne Wright and Chase Anderson, I mean, it's it's an extreme level of performance that that, you know, even the most optimistic owner would assume there's going to be some regression from. And in Sabathia's case, it could be pretty extreme because uh, over those four starts, he has stranded 96 percent of his runners when a normal rate is more like 73, 74 percent. So the ERA should definitely go up his ex-fip over that period, which might be a better indication of. The, the rate of runs he should have been allowing, given uh, the the skills he was showing, 3.26, but that's still really good. It's not clear to me exactly how Sabathia has done it, because he's not really done a great job of, of avoiding hard contact. Uh not done a great job of getting batters to swing and miss, or to freeze batters. He's just done everything pretty well, and maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough for Sabathia going forward to have an ERA in the mid threes or even lower to mid threes. And the one, the one standout skill that he's shown is he's throwing more strikes of late. So, um, you know, there's something there and sometimes there's something to be said sometimes for a pitcher who does everything just okay, but doesn't do anything really poorly. Um, You know, so uh, maybe something there to see from uh, CC Sabathia. Now, before we get uh, to some of the other standout pitching performances from Thursday, uh, just a, a note that I'm seeing here on Twitter involving another left-hander. Uh, the Red Sox are going to place Eduardo Rodriguez on the 10-day DL. Uh, this, and I'm just finding this now, so just bear with you for a second. This is from Michael Silverman uh, of the uh, Boston Herald. And he's got a knee injury. He hurt, uh, this is now according to Silverman's tweet, hurt in a slip during warmups last night. Uh, so it, it, I did see a report yesterday saying that he had fallen in the bullpen, but that he wasn't reporting any kind of problem. Uh, but apparently that was uh, maybe not entirely the case. So uh, Rodriguez going on the DL for the Red Sox. So that's a fairly big deal heading into uh, into week 10. Uh, but let's uh, turn uh, back again, turn back to Thursday and some other performances. While we're talking about a string of lefties here, let's talk about a couple more. Actually, let's talk about three more. Jeff Locke, Adalberto Mejia and Wade Miley all with good starts um, on Thursday. So Locke against the Diamondbacks, uh, Locke up in a pitcher's duel, pun intended, with Zach Greinke. Ultimately, Diamondbacks did pull that game out, but uh, Locke really held his own, went five and two thirds with three hits and no walks and seven strikeouts along just one run against the Diamondbacks. So that was an outstanding Marlins debut for Jeff, Jeff Locke, who had just been activated from the DL. His first appearance as a uh, yeah Miami Marlin, almost said Florida Marlin uh, for Jeff Locke. Uh, now, yesterday on the show, I uh, played a little game with uh, Jess Kleinschmidt called, is it the pitcher or is it the matchup? I am really inclined to say it was the matchup for Locke, just because this is so out of uh, out of line with what we were used to seeing from Jeff Locke. And, and I mean, and not even just to say, you know, it's a high level of success. I mean, just the fact that it was seven strikeouts and no walks uh, from Locke, because when he had success, it was more just by way of getting a lot of ground balls. Um, which he, you know, he he did, uh, he got, uh, I want to say it was like a maybe a 53, 54% ground ball rate in the start, so, you know, not bad in that regard. But um, the Diamondbacks are an aggressive team, and that may have played into the seven strikeouts and no walks for Locke. Intriguing start, nonetheless. So was the case for Mejia uh, that, at Anaheim against the Angels. Mejia went six innings, just allowing the one run, uh, two walks, five hits, five strikeouts. So pretty nice, nice start. I mean, not quite as impressive as Locks, but um, you know, Mejia's case, I I like him. Uh, I, I like him. Uh, not necessarily for a 12-team mixed league, but you know, deeper leagues for this sort of matchup. Uh, you know, you got the Angels without Mike Trout in the lineup, without Cameron Maben. It's at Angel Stadium. Which is a really nice pitcher's park. And Mejia being a fly ball pitcher, uh, that that's a nice venue for him. It was a nice matchup for him. He's not shown great control so far in his limited innings with the twins, but I think that's something that could improve for him. So I you know, I think you could be looking at a guy over time that might be really, really helpful with whip. Um so there's something to watch there with Mejia. And Wade Miley. With a good start, he was the opposite number to Eduardo Rodriguez in that uh, game against the Red Sox last night. So while Rodriguez, uh, you know, clearly I think the injury was probably hurting him. He gave up seven runs in that game. Miley Cruz through seven innings, just one run allowed uh, on five hits and a walk with three strikeouts. Now the Red Sox, very, very tough lineup to get strikeouts against. So I wouldn't necessarily hold that against Miley, but he's definitely – come down a notch or two from earlier in the season when he was getting all those strikeouts so it's been a bit of a of a turnabout for miley fewer walks but also fewer strikeouts but the uh the ultimate result there was was a good one for him so of all these pitchers he's the hardest one to read just because he's he's been kind of all over the map this year but the three strikeouts if we want to play is it the pitcher or the, or the matchup uh that could very well have been the matchup for Wade Miley. So let's move on to the hitters because we've got quite a few standout performances there to take a look at. And a couple involving the Yankees who had the, uh, the most explosive night offensively uh, in a limited slate. And a lot of that had to do with Aaron Hicks who had four hits and Gary Sanchez who had two home runs. So starting with Hicks, he went four for five with three doubles and six RBIs. Uh, this was at the Blue Jays. So, Hicks's batting average is now all the way up to 317. Though he didn't homer in this game, he has eight homers on the season and seven stolen bases. So, uh, Hicks would have been a good player to put on the uh, legitimeter when Adam Azer was on the show here. Part of that for Hicks, the part of that equation is how much he's going to play. And there's still no timetable as to whether or not Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, when he'll come back, because uh, he's currently on the um, concussion DL. But uh, yeah, I think that's a situation you, you watch going into the weekend because uh, Yankees have some nice matchups next week. And Hicks is obviously on a, on a big-time hot streak here. So he, he could be somebody that uh, you could actually trust in a 12-team mixed league, particularly a, a 5 outfielder mixed league. Gary Sanchez, of course, there's no question that he's a must-start guy. But with the two home runs, he's now up to six on the season. And it's certainly nothing to complain about with Sanchez's numbers, but he's, you know, maybe a little more than halfway to last season's just crazy home run pace. I don't think anybody expected him to keep that up, but he's quite a ways off of that. Um, He's averaging 344 feet on his fly balls, which is a great, great average. But last year, he led the majors with 380 feet. Um, I mean that just wasn't gonna be the replicate. So the question is how far is Sanchez going to regress to? At least will regress to a pretty darn good level. Uh, also with two home runs last night, Cole Calhoun. Uh, so he has seven home runs now, which actually kind of snuck up on me. Uh, which is not, you know, a huge total. I mean, he's you know, we're looking at a twenty to twenty five home run pace for Calhoun. Um, but he's still batting just two thirteen. But he's looking like a nice buy low target, and not just, just because he's coming off a two home run game, which actually, if anything, probably makes his price tag go up a bit. But he's still hitting 117 on ground balls, which is less than half the major league norm. Uh, and there's absolutely no reason to think that Calhoun will be making so many ground ball outs going forward. Mark Trumbo has stayed hot. He went three for four last night against the Red Sox, hit his eighth home run of the season. So since May 1st, Trumbo's batting 339 with six home runs. So he's overcome a very, very slow April to really pick up his pace. But this is what we see from Mark Trumbo. He's streaky. Uh, Who knows, you know, what kind of June he's going to have. But, uh, you know, starting off the month the right way and and really continuing on with, uh, you know, some hot hitting that he had. In, uh, in in May and uh, one more player before we had to break Jackie Bradley two for four in that same game uh, against the Orioles hit his seventh home run of the season and uh, over his last 16 games 296 424 648 slash line gotta love that um, and he's really mashing lefties which is something he hasn't really done in the past so that's some food for thought when you consider Bradley's future daily and weekly matchups so we got a few more hitters to talk about after the break, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Talk about Radhapara, Nick Ahmed, and more hitters besides that. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. So uh, for this final segment, just a few hitters to talk about uh, that uh, we did not get to earlier in the show. And uh, one of the more potent hitting performances uh, was from Gerardo Parra had a four-hit game. Uh, at the Mariners last night with a double and those four hits took his batting average up to 312. And Parr's got six home runs on the season, which is pretty impressive considering that, uh, you know, he's uh, been sort of in and out of that uh, Rockies outfield rotation. Uh, but it just seems that as we get you know closer and closer to David Dahl getting back. That Parra's chances of getting squeezed out are more and more so uh, you know he's going to have to keep having performances like that but I'm just I'm not sure you know I, it would almost seem that you know Mark Reynolds and uh, Dahl would have to give way for for para to really make an impact outside a deeper league so it it's a situation to watch in a way it would it would simplify our lives if, if Para cooled off a little bit but uh, he's, he's making that interesting uh, also making things interesting Nick Ahmed. With another nice game. He's been uh, much more of of an offensive force this season than I think any of us were expecting. Uh, So three hits at the Marlins uh, with a triple. So that was, as I said earlier, a very low-scoring game with Jeff Locke making a nice start, but uh, Ahmed, one of the few standout performers uh, for either team in that game. So uh, Ahmed's batting average is now up to 283, and he's got six home runs on the season. And you know, with a a lot of players that are putting up those sorts of numbers at this point. You know, we talk about, are they legitimate? Can we really trust the numbers after two months? I mean, he has backed up the increase in power with a 36% hard contact rate. So the, the, the increased power, I think, is also helping him to bat for a higher average than we're accustomed to from Nick Ahmed. So he's really, I think, worked his way into the shortstop conversation, maybe not just because of, of the longer track record, maybe not 12-team mixed leagues yet, but I think just about anything deeper. And given that he was available in one of my deepest leagues at the beginning of the season, I picked him up really just to, just to fill an open spot. Um, you know, He's far more valuable than that at this point. Maybe Eric Sogard, maybe we'll be talking about him in the same way in a few weeks. He has stayed hot as well, and he's now started two games in a row for the Brewers, and uh, we do not have a lineup yet for tonight's game for the Brewers against the Dodgers, so we can't tell if it's going to be three in a row for Sogart, but uh, last night at the Mets, he went two for four, increasing his batting average to 410, and he's got two homers and four doubles on the season, but check out the strikeout-to-walk ratio. This is the thing that, if you're skeptical about Sogart, I mean, this is the thing that really should give you a second thought. He struck out twice in 53 plate appearances, which is pretty impressive. But he's walked 13 times, 13 times, and 53 plate appearances. So clearly, the plate discipline for Sogard is just on a, on a whole different level this year, uh, and and we're seeing that power. And I have to think that those things are related, you know. Given that, I think he's just he's just selecting better pitches, and it's a crowded situation there for the Brewers. But Sogard, if he keeps hitting like this, I mean. Jonathan VR maybe loses some time. Maybe Hernan Perez, uh, Orlando Arcia. It's That's going to be really interesting. And one final note Justin Smoke struck out for the second time this season against a left handed pitcher, <laughs> but still, that was against CC Sabathia. It went two for four. He's now hitting 4 17 against lefties. He also got two singles against Sabathia. So Justin Smoke uh, just uh, keeps getting better and better for him. So, anyway, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we will be back on Sunday. I'm going to have Jim Finch on the show to talk about two-star pitchers going into Week 10. So you definitely want to check that out and check out Jim's column, which will be up on Sunday, uh, and all the other great uh, contact on fan, uh, con- uh, content on FanRack Sports. So see you Sunday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care and stay tuned for the rotation.